Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm speaking with Tessa Peters, CEO and founder of Been There, a charity app dedicated to helping those with body image struggles get paired with a mentor and find the support they need. Now Tessa was plagued with body image struggles from her earliest childhood days into her teens and 20s and also struggling with eating disorders. She felt incredibly alone and misunderstood and was desperate to find someone removed from family and friends who she could trust and openly share her struggles with and someone who had been in a similar situation to her. Now, Tessa saw counsellors, dietitians, and therapists, but she felt that none of these worked for her fully and they lacked relatability. And she recognised that she needed a service like Being There, so she decided to create this herself. So Being There aims to make a powerful and positive difference to people facing body image issues. During Tessa's own journey, she eventually found a mentor and still speaks with him today. And the value of this relationship and the impact it has had on her life has been life-saving. So being there as volunteer mentors are here to support people through their own journeys and make sure that no one feels alone. In this episode today, I speak to Tessa about her history of eating disorders and body image issues and why she felt so passionately about creating Being There. I explore more about the mentorship that this incredible charity offers. So this episode will help you feel far less alone and you may even want to think about being there mentorship yourself if you are struggling. Let's get to the conversation. Hi Tessa, thank you so much for coming on the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. Hi Harriet, lovely to be here. Brilliant. So Tessa, for people that don't know you, could you introduce yourself to the listeners please? Absolutely. Yes, I am Tessa Peters. The reason why I'm here today, I'll speak largely about my experience with body image, eating disorders, which has taken over most of my life, I'd say. I've started a charity called Been There. and been doing that for three years now. And it's all based off my own experience of wanting somebody similar to talk to about my struggles. That, that was really difficult to find, actually, Harriet. So when I eventually found it, it was so profound. But then it drove me to really be able to create this for other people to find their own relatable person to talk to yeah no fantastic and so did you say the charity's been going now for three years actually I came up with the idea like four years ago and then a lot of like I don't know about you but starting something biting that kind of fear and having to really dive into it took a while to convince myself to do that and take the risk and plunge so yeah we've been going really since July 21 and then the charity was set up in 2020 August 2020 that fabulous year we all remember yeah well no fantastic I mean amazing just to get it off the ground because I think there's nothing quite like it I don't think is there in this kind of eating disorders body image space that I'm aware of yeah no I'd say the way I found my I call them mentors so people who have given you a little bit of beacon of hope and that kind of person who's a little bit further along with you on the journey but can walk alongside you it took me a really long time to find but I really wanted that connection I felt so ashamed and alone with my struggles I felt like, how could I open up to somebody who hadn't gone through what I'm going through? That just that baffled me. So I went looking for it. 
So I found out about EDA, Eating Disorders Anonymous, which you probably heard about Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. I didn't know that Eating Disorder Anonymous existed. I thought, oh, God, I've got to go there. And um, I mean, it took me a while to fuck up the courage and actually walk through those doors. But you can ask for a sponsor. And that's what I call a mentor. And that's somebody who's done that 12-step program and is in a position to help somebody else. So I immediately asked for one of those people. I really wanted to speak to somebody who was out the other side. I wanted the hope, the hope that it was possible to recover. But I would say, first of all, you have to go to the place. You know, you have to physically go there. And secondly, it's quite spiritual, the 12 Steps program. So it's not for everyone. And then honestly, Harriet, I've been trying to come up with solutions since I was in the thick of my own issues. And I really, there was a significant moment to me when it was like 2017 and I was lying on my mum's bathroom floor. I struggled with bulimia and I just made myself sick. And I felt like I couldn't turn to any of my family who were in the house that day. And I just felt riddled with shame. And I felt alone. And I was like, I never want anyone to feel alone and ashamed like I do now. And it drove me to constantly come up with solutions. But the fact of the matter is, I need to find my own solutions and get better myself before I was able to help anyone else. Meeting my mentor was the most significant moment for me. Sorry, I went off on a tangent, but I'd say the closest thing to what we're doing would be something like EDA. That really did spur on my idea. It's like mentors, connecting through shared experience. Yeah, it needs to be an app so it's accessible, so you don't have to walk through those doors. That was hard. And you can be anonymous. You can chat, like text, say your name or use your voice. And I just thought all of those things combined could create something so magical for people to support each other. So valuable what you're doing. And I think just sort of hearing you speak, it's making me reflect a bit on my own journey. I had bulimia for nearly a decade. And actually, for me, actually, I didn't have a mentor, but some of my closest friendships, I mean, I was quite lucky I had a friend who had also gone through bulimia and was also kind of coming out the other side and in that very much kind of working towards recovered place. So obviously, it could be quite triggering if you're both not in a good place together. But that was massively helpful to me, I think, actually, probably as much as therapy and other help that I got later on, just to have someone that I could just be so open about what was going on. That connection is really, really important, isn't it? Because we can feel so lonely and ashamed, can't we? Yeah. And I think that kind of, I don't know about you, but when I was struggling, I felt so inferior. Like I felt like I was so tiny on the ground like I've got all these problems I know down here and anyone who was anyone else I would speak to who hadn't necessarily gone through what I was experiencing like my sister for example I felt like I just couldn't share with her what I was going through because she would just felt like oh she's got no issues she's over there all feeling great but actually just knowing that somebody's experienced something similar like your friend like it can be so profound to just just share and that's what's the simplicity of it like if the statistics like the other week, 61% of Brits suffer in silence with their mental health. We feel an inability to share what's going mm. on there. Why are we struggling so much to share what share what's going on with us? I'm not taking anything away from the professional services. They're incredible. But I do feel like we rely so much on them and it's quite disempowering as individuals. Like we are we are incredible humans. Yes, we're so complicated, notably complicated, really. Like we're never gonna really truly understand ourselves that humans like in all of our lifetime but I think that's incredible but also we could totally use our being and our communication and everything to support each other and I just feel like there's this thing missing that we've become a little bit more insular and then reliant on the professional services 
to help us when actually we can empower ourselves to be there for each other. I think that's really missing here. I don't want being there to just be a body image. I'd love it everyone to connect through shared experience. I think it's so powerful. That relatability is it bonds us. And we know that vulnerability bonds us. So let's use it to our advantage to to help each other. Mm. Yeah, and I'm so with you. And I think generally kind of younger people, and I'm probably putting you into this category and not myself, <laughs> being older, <laughs> are just like much better. Well, I know on the one hand, there's social media, so people can feel more isolated. But I think generally people are better at sort of speaking out, aren't they being more open? Whereas the older generations are often it's kind of the British sort of stiff upper lip and it's all about what you sort of show the outside world and everything being fine and keeping up with the Joneses and you kind of hide all your stuff behind closed doors. And I think there's lots of, sort of generational trauma, isn't there? And I sort of think of my parents' generation, particularly like mental health just wasn't a thing and just dealing with so much stuff and not even realising that you're dealing with so much stuff because of that's just how life was. So I think that's kind of the backdrop, isn't it, of our culture, really, where yeah. we haven't really been sort of set up for sort of mental health kind of um, support and just not kind of connecting. I mean, I think people do connect, but not connecting sometimes in those really meaningful ways where we're really talking about what's going on. Mm, God, I love those conversations, though, those conversations you can have. I just went on a cycling holiday and I think people would ended up not wanting to cycle near me because I would just be like, what are your hopes and dreams and fears? <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have so much generate I find that whole thing fascinating the generational trauma because my mom definitely has a body image issue and is working through that and then her my grandmother like it's definitely carried down I'm determined to break it but there's just so much that is kind of innate within us that we don't even know where it came from and I think it's quite powerful if we can step into understanding it and knowing that we all have our own struggles we really really do like I actually just started this thing today, Harriet, called the Been There Bench, where I want to be there is an incredible platform where people can share vulnerably and feel safe and secure and everything. And it's all in the container of the app. But what about real life? Like, I want this to be in real life. I want us to all to share and feel more able to share and listen and be there for each other. The whole idea is to have a bench that I go to every single week where I just talk to strangers about their mental health. And I want to encourage people to open up. And the interesting thing is, is that we all have something to share. Like, it's incredible, these stories I heard today of people just the other day of people wanting to, of people feeling ashamed or how things are going on in their life and things that they've gone through and come out the other side. We can use all those things that may feel so hard right now to our advantage. There is beauty within all of them. And I kind of wish that I would just hear that when I was struggling, thinking that, not really knowing that a everyone is going through their own challenges but b like there is something special within here if you choose to learn it mm. yeah and it's so true isn't it? it's making me think of like Brené Brown and the whole power of vulnerability and all of that so Tessa could you just tell us a little bit about your sort of own journey and how obviously you've sort of touched a bit on that already when you perhaps hit one of your darkest moments but could you just sort of tell us a little bit more about your journey and how it sort of brought you to kind of launch the app? Yeah absolutely so I was actually quite a overweight child and really didn't fit in Harriet like felt like I didn't fit in growing up you just want to fit in don't you and I physically didn't fit in being quite overweight and then I just didn't feel like I was similar to anyone and I was desperately trying to hang on to copying anyone else. I remember actually pretending to like Lord of the Rings with this group of girls to feel like I could fit into their friendship group. 
I got completely busted by actually going to watch Lord of the Rings and falling asleep at the cinema and it shows I wasn't really that much of a diehard fan. I really wanted to fit in. I wanted to feel like I fit in and there were so many things telling me I couldn't or I didn't, which was going to parties and there was a list of people who couldn't be let in and it said no fat people allowed and there was quite a moment in my life where I remember that being turned away from a party because of my size and there were quite a lot of things about size growing up. My mum, as I mentioned before, she was always on a lot of diets growing up and as an overweight adolescent I was sent to Weight Watchers. I was sent to this fat camp that I didn't realise was fat camp until I kind of asked my mum outright. Loads of different means of trying to help me lose weight. There was such an emphasis on my size. And then when I was, and I knew that I didn't fit in and I didn't feel great within myself either. When I was 18 years old, I went on a ski season and I ended up watching a programme called Desperate Housewives, which you may know of. It's an American mm. sitcom. And there's a model on there, also known as Eva Longoria. And she says to these other models, these younger models who are on this series, she says to them, you can eat the pizza, but just chuck it up after. And I instantly thought, what a clever idea. And I just started dabbling with this eating disorder without even realising or thinking about what it was actually doing to my insides, what is actually going on there. But I've used it as a ploy to lose weight. Mm. And then this got completely exacerbated when I moved from a ski season into trying to get into the yachting industry, which is, if you know anything about the yachting industry, like image is a really big thing. You you actually have to have your picture on your CV of your face. I don't know where else you have to do that these days. And I was with my friend in France. We went to apply for a job. So there was a job advert saying, looking for a stewardess for three months. We thought, oh my gosh, that's a price. Straight away, rang the doorbell of the boat. And this woman invited us down and said, I'm just going to interview you straight away. Come downstairs. And she sat in front of us and then interviewed us and said, right, I'm going to choose your friend, Tessa, because you're too big for the uniform. Then I was like, I can't even get a job because of my size. Like everything was just saying, like, you really need to change what you look like because you do not fit in. So that was the icing on the cake. And that really made my eating disorder a whole lot worse. It went from dabbling and trying to make myself sick here and there to like literally eight, 10 times a day. I was obsessed with trying to change my body. I just thought somebody could literally take that story and think, oh, I'll take that situation and think, oh, well, two things up to you. I'm not going to change my body to fit in with this industry. Like how rude. But actually it just drove me to want to change, sadly, and conform. Yeah, that drove me to this crazy eating disorder, which honestly was like this secret. I know that you also said over a decade, like mine was, yeah, 11 years. And I just remember, Harriet, to be honest, a large portion of it was denial. I don't know if you feel the same thing. And the kind of secretiveness of it lasted for me for like eight years. And yeah, I have since going to therapy and things, I've correlated all of this to something that happened when I was much younger that has impacted my life now and it feels quite liberating to come to terms with things like that and feel forgiveness for what happened ultimately I struggled and I kept it to myself and I think that was the it was what just drove it to be so long at first I felt like it was a clever trick I felt like it worked sadly it did I, I did lose weight and eventually it kind of caught up with me and the signs started to tell like I always say I wish I just got came up with warts or something and you could see that I hadn't eaten that I could see that I was struggling and other people could see that I walked all over my body to actually stop me doing what I was doing I was a chef on a yacht so it was mm. I remember googling like chefs and eating disorders and nothing would ever come up and I was like come on there's got to be other people who are doing the same things for me surely 
this carried on for a long time. I actually remember coming home and my sister and told my sister and she said, I told my sister because I thought, oh, you should try this too because it's working for me. And then instantly she said, oh, you've got a problem. You really need to do something about that. I thought to myself, I don't want to have a problem. I don't have a problem. I don't want to feel inferior to anyone. And it drove me to actually work away more because I didn't want anyone to worry about me. And I had this idea of going away and being away on boats and being away in different countries and coming back and being this different size and everyone being like, wow, look at Tessa, she's so slim and blah, blah, blah. No one really cared, but it drove me to really indulge in this eating disorder and become quite obsessive with my body image, really obsessive with my body image. Time for a short advertisement break. Are you tired of being tired and fighting with your body while the emotional eating or binging continues? You are not alone. Emotional eating is not your fault, yet it is something you deserve to fully overcome. Are you ready to gain massive insight into your emotional binge triggers and understand the roots of why you're in self-sabotage with food and your body? You will definitely want to check out emotional eating digestive and hormone expert Amber Romagnac's The No Sugar Coating Podcast with over 400 episodes diving deep into emotional eating and binge triggers, female hormone and gut issues, weight blocks, cravings and the physical, emotional and energetic connections. After overcoming her own food addiction, binge eating and emotional eating behaviours, Fully and now coaching over 1,600 women in the last 10 years, she provides a deep level of knowledge to help assist you forward on your journey to food and body freedom and beyond. This podcast will help you build a newfound level of awareness that you may have never had before. And there's no diets, no quick fixes and no band-aid approaches here. The podcast is about building self-love, acceptance, confidence, and becoming in tune with your relationship with food, thoughts, symptoms, and will help you start to take your power back. If you truly want to feel free from emotional eating, come take a listen. Visit amberapproved.ca forward slash podcast to start listening and take the next life-changing step on your journey. You're not alone. You've got this and you can break free. And you can check out a wide variety of resources, a free emotional eating quiz, one-to-one coaching support, and more about body freedom at amberapproved.ca. The links are in the show notes. I'd like to come back to hear about recovery more in a moment. That would be fantastic. But yeah, I think I was just really struck by just feeling so much compassion for you as I guess a little girl and not feeling that you fitted in and then so much shaming around your size I'm not surprised that then when you went into that kind of whole yachting world, it was just like the thing that tipped you over the edge, wasn't it? Like all the seeds were sown, really, I think, for you to be not feeling good about yourself. And then in that very image obsessed world, I just think no wonder, really, that you really fell into quite a severe eating disorder. But yeah, I mean, just really, really tough. Just really feel for you having gone through all those experiences. So young as well. Like, how can you ever learn resilience from a young age? When some of us can get put against so much, I just, I'm really curious how that could have helped. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, tell us a bit about sort of your recovery and how that sort of process came about. I was currently a chef with an eating disorder. I was living in America on a boat and really struggling. And I started this secret Instagram page where I thought this was like going to be a place where I would document my journey and I'd get better. I started posting Called it clean new me with all that clean eating trend that was going on back then 
And I just posted pictures of my mouth and below. So that was kind of a bit more secretive and no one really knew who I was. And at the same time, I still wanted to lose weight. I still wanted to diet. Like, I don't think it was really, I was reflecting on this. And I just think you're still trying to achieve something that even if it is attainable, like just let it go because recovery is more important than losing weight. And I couldn't, I was still warped. I still wanted to achieve that size. I still wanted, I think thought it would give me everything that I wanted. This was the start, really. I had to go through the process. And the process at the beginning was focusing on not being sick rather than why I was making myself sick. So I'd use this Instagram page. I'd talk about how many days I'd gone without doing it and indulging and everything, binging. And yeah, and then kind of didn't really work because that's not really it. It's not to focus on the act, it's to focus on what's making you do that, what's going on on the inside. And when as soon as I realised this, I was like, okay, we really need bigger help than this. This isn't just me on an Instagram page, this is quite serious. I can't stop making myself sick, what am I going to do? And I went searching, I went to counsellors, I went to therapy, I tried different personal development courses, I got self-help books, I would do everything to really understand like how to make myself better. But the one thing that I was really searching for was somebody who'd been there. I wanted somebody who was on the other side who could say it's possible to get better and guide me and be that, like I said at the beginning, the beacon of light and hope. So well, counsellors and therapy didn't really necessarily help me because I did find it rather frustrating that they couldn't share, even if they had been there, that they couldn't say, hey, I get it. I've been there. I just felt like I really needed this connection, this I needed to talk really, Harriet. And it was thwarted because I was so ashamed of what I was experiencing that how was I going to open it up to somebody who who hadn't experienced it anyway I quit my job and went back to England and I found out about EDA I walk up through those doors and I get the sponsor and the sponsor was huge for me it was even a male and we spoke on the phone and it was free and I never even met him and it was humiliating because I could share in a way that I hadn't before I felt completely heard, seen, validated. I didn't feel alone. I didn't feel judged. It was profound to have that connection. And that was the biggest part of my recovery. I swear it was the catalyst to recovery. And um, yeah, and I really am grateful truly for that connection today. Recovery was a road, a long road. That was definitely the start. And like I said before, I really needed to still let go of the diet. Even then, I still wanted to be smaller. So it was actually when my period stopped and I was in denial again. I was like, I can't be the eating disorder because that's just, yeah, no, it can't be because that's, no, that's not possible. Just completely trying to <laughs> eradicate it as a possibility. And then I remember trying to see this nutritionist to help me get my periods back. And then I did share with her because I did feel like wasn't really telling the truth I said I do still a bit I've had an eating disorder but I'm in recovery now and she's like yeah but do you still engage in those behaviors and I was like yes I do and she's like right we need to really focus on that because you can see me when you're better but like really please focus on your recovery and at that point I, I really had to put recovery first there's been so many significant points in my recovery journey I really largely did do it without therapy I know that's not normal but it was mentors it was self-help it was personal development courses it was learning about myself understanding myself getting to know myself but there was some significant parts one was forgiveness because we know anyone probably listening to this knows like an inner critic is huge isn't it particularly in the eating disorder world the berating of ourselves wanting more not feeling good enough that's how your whole thing that not good enough feeling and 
I was on this recovery journey and I felt really good. I was really getting better. I had a slip up. Yeah, getting so angry at myself, spraying myself. And I remember actually calling my cousin, which is not what I'd ever do. And I shared with her and she said, Tessa, this is where the magic is. Can you actually forgive yourself for what you've just done and feel forgiveness? Not just say, oopsies, I forgive myself. Like actually really feel it in your body and in your heart and acknowledge that you've come so far, you've done so well, it's fine, make it okay and hold yourself. I really, really tried. It was an incredible moment because normally I'd wake up and say, did you make yourself sick? Yes, you did, idiot. Oh, did you overeat? Yes, you did, you idiot. Oh, oh, did you under-exercise? Yes, you did, you idiot. And I'd start the day feeling crap. But in fact, when I was able to forgive myself and really truly feel it, that was a beautiful moment where I could then embody that continuously because we're always going to make mistakes, aren't we? Mm. yeah absolutely and it's so interesting isn't it like the theme of connection has been so powerful for you hasn't it like in that moment when you were able to really bravely reach out to your cousin but also to be able to kind of accept that support almost and then to like actually be able to forgive yourself after having probably that very compassionate conversation Mm. yeah and actually also being a mentor so I'm a mentor on being there Mm. myself and actually from now being there for somebody else is Mm. so 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 beneficial on your own journey like I just didn't realize it until I engaged in it and I just it's been profound and beneficial to me as well as the person which is incredible another layer of healing that you just almost don't really realize is possible I'm sure you feel something like that from what you're doing as well yeah, and it's so true, isn't it? I mean, I always do call myself the wounded healer, really. Oh, I like that. There's so much truth in it, isn't there, I think, actually. I know for me as well, actually, just having the desire to help other people really helped me to really sort of embody recovery more myself on that deeper level because of that sense of responsibility and that sort of sense of passion and purpose and wanting to help others. It gave me like a laser focus away from the eating disorder, which was really helpful. So I think there is so much in it, isn't there, actually? I'm so with you with that. Maybe it's the 12 step on the 12 step program as well. Mm. Yeah. And actually then because insulin but the the eating disorder can be so insular, can't it? I felt that I became so selfish. All my thoughts were about me, my body image, my what I've eaten, what I've done, gonna do, being better, not good enough, just going over and over in my head. But actually when you make the focus something else and you take it's like a healthy distraction in a way, but you make life not about you so much anymore. And it's definitely no bad at all come from it. Yeah, no, so true. So tell us a bit more, Tessa, about like for people listening, if they want to find out more about the app and the mentoring, like tell us a bit more about how it works on a practical level. Yeah. So Bina is set up for people who are struggling with their mental health, but specifically body image. And we have an app where people who are struggling can safely chat somebody who's been there. So it's about finding that human-to-human, relatable support in a safe way, in this beautiful, safe container. And all of our mentors, they've all been there, whether they've gone through something themselves or somebody close to them has gone through something. And they fill out an application form, they are vetted, they are trained, and they are supported by us. I really want to make it really safe and quality And yeah, the support element is really vital because we can do all the training in the world. But the minute you're in front of somebody going through something, you never know how you're going to feel and how you're going to act, the support that you may need. So it's a beautiful like learning and development for yourself and opportunity to give back. And then the mentees, anyone yeah, struggling with body image, which, as we know, that encompasses quite a lot. So it's quite a broad terminology. And the reason for using that was 
And even when I would make myself sick eight times a day, I would never have said I had an eating disorder. I think that eating disorders sounds really can sound really scary and perhaps it's hard to acknowledge that that's what's actually going on for you and body image really is quite rife today the terminology makes it a little bit not have so much of the weight and we're really trying to get people before it could even escalate to something more sinister mm. yeah, no, and then that's... all the mentors I'll just say sorry they're all volunteers so they all give up their time and they can volunteer anything from one to three hours a week and it's all chat functionality on the phone so it's super accessible and yeah we're always looking for more mentors if anyone is ever listening we have a goal of 100 mentors this year and love for people to join us on that journey yeah yeah that sounds fantastic and how often in terms of like the frequency how often people talk to their mentor is that quite variable or is there sort of a guide for that yeah we do one hour a week to be honest I started it and it was all it could be whenever you wanted but it didn't really bring any sort of consistency or it's quite hard as a mentor to manage if you're having constant chit chat so we like to have be a bit more boundary we've learned we piloted the service for almost two years to understand how to best understand what people needed and how the mentors could also manage their time and boundaries within that so yeah one hour a week and they can book chat times with their mentors and we say for four months they get free mentoring and then we basically would assess after the four months if they'd like to carry on or what other support there is that would be helpful for them yeah no fantastic and do you find as well I guess it's probably varies so much from person to person but are people often maybe having therapy or other support and having some mentorship at the same time or is is it really variable from person to person yeah it's quite variable I would say the large proportion are it's like just another nice part of recovery is just having that person who's kind of more on your wavelength peer-to-peer support is you'll probably read a lot of research around peer support it's really impactful and we're seeing the impact that it can have on us so and then also waiting lists so a lot of people are on waiting lists and just wanting somebody to talk to in the meantime and we actually have an expert Tom Midgley who created the training course and has worked with us some of his patients would also see a being their mentor to walk alongside them whilst they got their um, psychology support as well oh gosh it sounds like a fantastic service I think amazing Tessa really that what you're sort of creating with your team and I think just so so valuable you know as we've been talking about throughout this whole episode really that we often feel so ashamed don't we I think when we're sort of struggling with these issues and just being able to connect with someone else who has really been there and gets it that's just amazing to be able to actually have that connection and just to be able to talk openly about what's really going on yeah that's the whole thing isn't it we just need to be able to talk more we need to feel safe, we need to feel heard, we need to feel seen. And actually, I don't know about you in your life, but if you perhaps have those people that you know that you could speak to, and they will just do just that within your life. But actually, we don't know how, don't get taught really, but how to actually just be there for somebody and not go into fix it and solutions. It's just so innate within us to want to do that. But actually, the best thing we can do for people as just a peer support is to just listen just hear them just validate yeah 100% so Tessa for anyone listening who is interested in maybe being mentored or who would like to maybe become a mentor themselves what's the best way to get in touch with you if you want to be mentored then you can just download the app and set up a profile it's pretty simple and we will match you with a relevant mentor and then they would engage with you and create some times in which you would speak and if you have any issues with that or you want a little bit more information, it's all on our website, the link tree from our Instagram, been there app. 
And then if you want to join as a mentor, there's more information also on our website through our Instagram or just www.beanthatapp.com. And as a mentor, you would, I would say, allow an hour to fill out an application form. And the application form is actually directly on the app. And then that will go off and we will do two reference checks, then a DBS check, and then you'll be all ready for a training course. So if you wanted, if you want to find out more information before you fill out the application form, then by all means, reach out, email us, or there's more information on our website. I'd love to have you. (laughs) All right, sounds fantastic. Well, I shall make sure all the info is in the show notes. So thank you for that. So Tessa, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I just really appreciate you sharing and I think you're doing an incredible job. And I'm sure that there are going to be lots of people listening who will be really interested to find out more. Thank you so much. Thanks, Harriet. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Tessa and Bean There's details in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. And for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eating disorder therapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you would follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm-hmm.